I've been reading a book. Brother Jesse gave me a copy of it some time ago, and and uh, and uh, it, it's a from Erwin Lutzer. Um, uh, originally, it was called "The Serpent of Paradise." Uh, they re-released it oh, about five years ago. Gave it the title "God's Devil," uh, which is taking the the phrase of Martin Luther you know, when he's we just said. Even the devil is God's devil. Uh, and uh, so I've been reading that. And so so today's sermon, much of it is influenced by what I've been listening to and what I've been reading uh, from that book from uh, Erwin Lutzer. And if you've never listened to Erwin Lutzer, he, he was a senior pastor at Moody Church out of Chicago for some 36 years. Uh, he resigned as senior pastor. He stepped down. Uh, senior pastor about four years ago and, and I thank the Lord for his ministry I thank the Lord for being able to go back and read some of his books and listen to some of his sermons so I always thank the Lord uh, for for men of God that I, I can listen to and that I can draw help from and draw strength from so uh, I thank the Lord but over the last uh, couple of months we, we've talked quite a bit about our enemy haven't we we've talked quite a bit about our adversary, the opposition, the devil. And, and we've looked at God's Word, and we know that uh, of our own strength that we cannot stand against this enemy, can we? We know from God's Word, Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Because that's the only power that we can lean on and look to and trust in that, that we can fight against or stand against the devil. And, and we also know that, that we must, and if we take the next verse, Ephesians 6, 11, we must put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we know that we need the whole armor. And I don't know if we're going to be talking about that more in the weeks to come. Perhaps we'll see which direction the Lord takes us. But, but if we're going to stand against him, we must know his schemes. We, we must be equipped against his schemes, his trickery, his deceit, cunning schemes. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, uh, the Apostle Paul gives another reminder of Satan as his schemes. And, and here's he's, he's talking to the church in Corinth, and he says, Now whom you forgive also, I also forgive, for if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Now I'm going to pause there for a minute. What's he saying? you got to forgive. You can't have unforgiveness in the fellowship. Because it will lead to bitterness. It, it will lead to a multitude of things. So, so Paul is talking to this church and saying, you must love one another. You must forgive one another. Why? Lest... Satan should take advantage of us. That's why. That's why. For we are not ignorant of his devices. This is what Paul is saying. Paul knows of the schemes. He knows of the devices of the evil one. And brothers and sisters, we do not want to be ignorant of Satan's devices, his schemes, and his deceits, do we? We want to be equipped with the Word of God. We want to have the armor of God. And so, as we get into the Word today, uh, we're going to be talking about the accuser. We're going to be a talking about, uh, from, from the Word of the different 
uh, portions of Scripture where it talks about that. And, and let's just pray one more time before we read any further. Heavenly Father, we, we give you thanks for another opportunity to come and hear your word. And, and Lord, I pray that you would help me guard my heart, guard my tongue. Lord, let your word speak today and protect me from error. Lord, help me to not get on some high horse or soapbox, but Lord, let me stay true to your word. And Lord, as I read just verses, Lord, let those verses speak to hearts and minds this day that we may learn more of how to trust you and that we may learn more of how to combat the schemes and the wiles of the devil. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Because you've heard him referred to as the accuser of the brethren. Uh, Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, I'm going to pause there for just a minute. I believe this is, this is talking of one day. Of one day. Of one day he will be ultimately cast down and vanquished. But not yet. But not yet. Now he is still in the prince of the power of the air. He is still going about making accusations. And they overcome him. Well, who overcome? Well, well, the 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 those those that are Christ, the 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 brethren, they they overcome. And who did they overcome? Well, they overcome Satan, the accuser. And how did they overcome? By the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. You know, a picture of the accuser. And that line, what, sometimes people read that last part of that and say, and they did not love their lives to the death. What's that mean? It means they cared more about Christ than themselves. They were not ashamed of the gospel, even though they might be martyred. That's what it's talking about. They didn't love their life, but they loved Christ. And they would stand for Him regardless if it meant to be taken to the gallows or taken to the cross or wherever it may be. They loved Him more than even their very lives. Now, I want us to go to Zechariah, third chapter. If you got your Bible, here, I'll give you a hint here. Uh, Maybe some of you already know, but if you go to Matthew, back up two little, just a few pages. So if you're at Matthew, uh, go past Malachi, there's Zechariah. Let's go to the third chapter. We're going to read the first five verses. Here's a picture here, and it's a, verse one. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Now, the ESV, the NASB, translate that, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So to oppose, to accuse. So, so here is Joshua the high priest, and, and this is not Joshua the warrior of the Old Testament. This is Joshua the high priest. So just, just, just to say that, it's not the same Joshua. Uh, uh, and it, and I believe what it's saying here, and I've read some others, and they agreed with, with kind of my line of thinking. And here is Joshua the high priest, and at his, at Joshua's right hand is Satan spewing accusations and opposing the high priest. Well, what might he be saying? 
Now I can only speculate. And, and I and I go to what sometimes happens to me and the accusations that come to my mind that I believe are from Satan that says, what, what are you doing trying to get up there and preach? We know what you did yesterday. We know what you thought. We know what you did. Who, who do you think you are? And perhaps some accusations, perhaps some opposition to this high priest. High priest. I witness what you did. Perhaps, perhaps, something like this. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who, who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. And perhaps that was an accusation. Perhaps that was something that was brought up by Satan. Well, look at him. Well, just look at him. Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he, the Lord, answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him, and to him, and to Joshua. He said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you. I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. Now, I know this is talking about Jerusalem. I know this is talking about Israel. But when I read that, we have a picture of the accuser. And when I read this passage, I can't help but consider myself. As I was one day standing in the filthy rags of my sin. To me, it gives a picture of God saying, saying to Satan, this one's mine. <laughs> this one's mine. I have chosen him. And I will remove his iniquity and place upon him a clean robe of righteousness. Now, now I may be totally wrong on that, but I get a picture of that when I read that. And it causes me to consider the cross and of what Christ did in giving his life, his own blood, as payment to purchase my salvation, to clothe me in a robe of righteousness, not of my own, but of Christ, and to realize that my sins, which were as scarlet, have been washed clean, white as snow. And we sang a little chorus, and I know it was one of Barb's favorite, and I think I got the words there, Donovan, talking about that being white as snow. White as snow, white as snow, though my sins were as scarlet, Lord, I know, Lord, I know that I'm clean and forgiven through the power of your blood. Through the wonder of your love, through faith in you, I know that I can be. Let's sing it again. White as snow, white as snow, though my sins were as scarlet, 
Lord, I know, Lord, I know that I'm clean and forgiven through the power of your blood, through the wonder of your love, through faith in you I know that I can be white as snow. Now I want us to turn to Colossians 2nd chapter. Turn to Colossians 2nd chapter. And very often on Communion Sundays, I will read uh, Colossians 2 verses 13 and 14 because it talks about of what Christ has done for us through the work of the cross. So Colossians 2 Verses 13 and 14. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He, the Lord, has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, Now, I want us to recognize that we've been talking about Satan the accuser. Is there anything in the law that that Satan could accuse us? (laughs) Have you kept the law perfectly? Have you lived perfectly? No, no. A a constant source of accusation, isn't it? It, it, The the handwriting of requirements, the ESV record of debt. We all owed a debt, a penalty for sin that we couldn't pay. The wages, the cost of sin is death. And and Satan is there accusing us. Don't you realize that you are such a great sinner? Don't you know God's mad at you for what you've done? You've committed so many sins. You're so far from Him. There's no hope for you. You ever been accused along those lines? No hope. We couldn't fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. We had no righteousness, but God provided a way. He provided a way. Kenny mentioned John 3.16. Let's, let's read verses 14 through 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. As Moses lifted up the serpent, we'll know from the book of Numbers, John is is recounting that time when Moses was asked to fashion uh, that, that bronze serpent and put it on a pole and lift it up because what was happening? People were getting bitten. And, and to be cured from that curse that was brought to them, all they had to do is look to that which was lifted up. That's a picture of Christ as, as He came. Christ becoming sin. Christ becoming a curse. And so, so now we look not to a bronze serpent on a pole, but we look to Christ having been lifted up. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, oh, you know this by heart, for God, for He, for God made Him, made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So what happened on the cross? 
is that God made His Son, Jesus, to be sin. And I I believe at that moment, when, when Christ became sin, when He bore our sin, and God crushed His only begotten Son, and poured out on His poured out His wrath upon Him, is when Jesus cried from the cross. I can't help but believe that that was the moment when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? (laughs) There's a verse in in, in an old hymn, uh, At the cross, or alas, and did my Savior bleed. Verse 3. Well, might the Son... In darkness hide and shut his glories in. When Christ the mighty maker died for man, the creature's sin. Because what happened? What happened? The sky grew dark. When Christ the mighty maker, when Christ our great redeemer died for me, for you, for man, the creature's sin. Jesus takes upon himself the very wrath of God that we might receive the cure, that we might go free, that we might have eternal life. That's from Galatians 3 uh, verses 13 and 14. Galatians 3. 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. (laughs) Oh, fellow Gentile, aren't you thankful for that? As Paul said in Colossians 2, the decree that was against us, the handwriting of requirements, the record of debt, the law that we could not keep and which was hostile to us because there was nothing that we could do to meet the requirement, Christ has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Is is another. I hope you don't mind when old hymns come to my mind as we're looking at these verses. Is there a verse of a hymn that comes to mind? How about the the verse of of it as well? My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul. You see, every every time that we would consider that our sin has been forgiven, our soul should praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for what He has done. So Christ upon the cross. And, and we know that, that back 
in ancient times, when, when a man was crucified, when, when someone was put upon a cross, often there, there would be a placard that would put up, be put up above them that would list their crime. What was put above Jesus? What did Pilate have put up above there? King of the Jews. King of the Jews. And, and, and I read, and I don't know, but I read where it said it was written in Hebrew. It was written in Greek and it was written in Latin so that everybody, everybody, everybody could read it and know. But is that what he was guilty of? No, he wasn't guilty of King of the Jews. Now let me ask you this. What should have been written on that placard? My sin, your sin, that's what should have been written on that placard. Think about that. He took upon himself our sin. He bore our sin upon the tree. And so if there was anything to be written up there, it would have been my sin and yours and what a list that would be. But take everyone, every sin, take everyone, every one of them, and put them on that list. And He died. For all those who believe, all those by faith believe, that those sins could be forgiven. Isn't that a glorious thought? He, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. <laughs> well, let's do another lyric. Was it for crimes that I have done? He suffered on the tree. Yes, it was. Amazing pity. Grace unknown and love beyond degree. It wasn't his crimes, it was ours that he died for. And now, and now the judge's verdict would be what? Paid in full. Paid in full. But what, what, what else happened on the cross? You see, we read verse 13 and 14 a lot. I want us to go back and we're going to add verse 15 because we've been talking about the accuser. Let's go back and let's read that Colossians 2 verses 13 through 15. And you being dead in your trespasses and then circumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the tree. Now listen, having disarmed... What? Principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This happened at the cross. This is not something in the future. Oh, there will be more to happen in the future. But Christ, when He died on the cross, disarmed principalities and powers. No doubt Satan thought he had won a, a great victory. Christ is now dead. But all the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. He disarmed him. He stripped him of his weapons and he made a public display of them. Hebrews 2 verses four, 2 verse 14. Hebrews 2. Verse 14. 
Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, the Lord himself, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Thank the Lord, yes, of what Christ has done at the cross, disarming principalities and powers. You know, again, in ancient times, the Romans, when they would go on a conquest and they would conquer another nation, they would have a big parade. And, and they would bring the enemy, those that had been taken captive, and they would march them down the street, sometimes in shackles. And here would be great generals and soldiers that were broad and with heads bowed low and brought to shame because they had suffered utter defeat. And there would be a picture of Satan. Utterly defeated because of what Christ has done. Born again believers, those once sinners were permanently reconciled to God. Now think about what he's done. Here is Satan and he has been utterly defeated. And consider this of what Christ has done. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses. And consider what Christ did. He went into Satan's domain, into Satan's territory, the prince of this world, and legally and justly purchased all those who would belong to God. Think about that. Legally and justly, because Christ was our substitute. That was allowed. And then we would no longer belong to Satan. They would be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God's dear Son. And we'd be forevermore saved. Uh, uh, Hebrews 10, verse 14. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering He, the Lord Jesus Christ, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Because of what offering? Only of Himself upon the cross. And also notice that when we read that in Colossians 2.13, He has made He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now let's say that together. All trespasses. One more time. All trespasses. That little word. <laughs> that's, a, that's a glorious word there, isn't it? All trespasses. Forgiven all trespasses. Past, present, future. Because consider this, every sin that I committed was future when Christ was put on the cross and yours too. So those trespasses and sins, past, present, future, all forgiven. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Now let's look at that, that verse 15 one more time. Colossians 2. Having disarmed principalities and powers... He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now let me ask, does Satan still accuse the brethren? Yes. 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 But equipped with the truth of God's words, will the accusations have any power? Now think about that. Oh, we're going to, child of God, you're going to, accusations are going to come to you. They will. But will they have any power? Will they have any sting when we're trusting the Lord? So that, that's, that's what I'm trying to 
to say this morning. Because when we're trusting the Word of God, when we're praising the Lord, the chains that seem to bind us or the chains that Satan or the enemy may try to put on us through accusations fall away when we go to the Lord and His great and promise, precious promises. So let's read that great passage from Romans 8. Go to Romans 8. And in a moment we're going to be coming back to Ephesians 1. Romans 8, let's drop down to verse 31. Read, read 31 through 39. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> he who did not spare his own son, this is God, didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's what we've been talking about, isn't it? Who will bring an accusation? Well, we know who. Well, it's Satan, powers of darkness, and other people. Other people. They're quick to accuse too, aren't they? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute because let's go back to what we kind of opened with. Where was the devil? At the high priest. At his right hand. But all child of God, who do we have? At the right hand of God. We have Christ Himself. And what's He doing? Is interceding prayers. Interceding prayers. Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation shall dis, or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Even if we should lose our life, may we not love our life more than we love the Lord. For your sakes we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. But the accuser continues to accuse. And he will not stop with the accusations until one day he is completely vanquished. So for now, we must contend. Contend with principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. See, we may still have some wrestling matches. We still may have some fiery darts. Satan may be a roaring lion going to and fro, seeking whom he may desire. Uh, devour. But remember this. You know, I can put this here. He is God's lion. 
and God has him on a leash. Remember the sermon talking about Job. Satan can only go as far as God the Father allows. God is sovereign over all his creation and Satan is nothing more than a created being. Never forget that. Don't ever try to to put Satan up there on the level of God because he is nowhere near that. Ephesians 1, verses 19 through 23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's go, let's let's turn uh, just a little bit further in Ephesians 3. Let's read verses 8 through 12. To me who am less than the least of all the saints. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul talking. To me, who is less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, and who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. (laughs) God is making himself known. The Lord is making himself known to all powers, isn't he? Manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Let them know who you serve. Let them know who's your God. Let them know what the Word of God says. According to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith. Now as I was looking at at that Colossians 2, uh, as I've said, I, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll grab the commentary, John MacArthur, and I'll flip over and I'll see what John said. And here's what he Here's how he ended it up. Though we still wrestle against forces of evil, they cannot be victorious. Christ the crucified, risen Lord of all, reigns supreme in the universe. To be united with Him is to be free from Satan's dominion. The death of Christ brings transformation, pardon, and victory. That adds up to complete salvation with complete forgiveness and triumph. End quote. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. And I believe that that's why uh, just, just of what Christ has done, the victory that is in Jesus, the victory that comes through the cross. That's why Paul would say in Galatians 6.14, oh, you know this, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word. Thanks for the truth that we can go to and that we can find strength 
in the midst of trouble. (laughs) We know trouble will come. You told us it will, but it comes for a purpose. To strengthen our faith. To help us realize that of ourselves we can't stand, but we stand in your strength. So Lord, we thank you for the trials that come. Help us to help us to have that attitude that when a trial comes, help us to be thankful. Because you have a plan and you have a purpose. So Father, help us and regardless of what may come our way, that we would be at rest, that we would find peace and comfort in your great and precious promises, that we might be able to stand against the accuser, the accusers of the brethren. So Lord, help us to stand in faith. Help us to trust You more. Help us to forever look to You and be thankful. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.